Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. Welcome to the Unity Talks podcast. I'm David Cathy, your host for today's session. And I'm honored to interview our guest today. She has been the CFO of a commercial real estate firm. She's been the CFO of an architecture firm, and she is the current CFO of a high-tech company based in Frisco, Texas called MTX Group. Along with all of those professional accomplishments, she is also a mother of two. Wow, Christina Bailey, we are so thrilled to have you on our show today. Thank you for having me. Today. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to tell me, you're from Omaha, Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You've got to tell me, was this all part of the plan growing up? So you're an eight-year-old girl, you're growing up in Omaha, Nebraska. Was the plan to be a CFO, to be in the boardroom, in leadership, have a seat at the table? Or was your plan just to be like some other eight-year-old kid and have different aspirations? It was very different, David. So I loved school, surprisingly, at eight years old. And so I always wanted to be a teacher. And that's what I pretended to be. We had a chalkboard in the kitchen. And every morning, my dad and my brother and I would play on the chalkboard. And I loved it. Then even while I was going through my master's degree, I thought, man, this is, this is really taking a long time to get my master's degree. And at the same time, my dad was, was medically ill. And when you go through that, then you realize just how critical nurses are yeah. to care. Yeah. And so I thought, I may just stop doing this whole master's degree thing in finance and accounting, and I think that I'm just going to become a nurse. Oh, wow. Um, but decided, obviously, not to do that. It was too close to being done. So I'm very thankful, though, that I continue to do what I'm doing today. Um, it's been very rewarding. That's awesome. Yeah. So I've known Christina for a long time. I didn't tell you that story No, ever. and I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. And I have come from a family of nurses. My wife's a nurse. My oldest daughter's a nurse. Oh, so wow, that's incredible. That. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Well, I want to go back to something on your dad that you mentioned. Yes. Because when we have talked previously, you had said, and I'd ask you the question, why accounting? Like, why did you choose this career path? And you had an interesting answer for me. Yeah, in fact, today is a very important day in the answer. Today is my daddy's birthday. Um, He passed away in December of 2018, but he is the reason why I'm in accounting. Um, Because when I was in high school, I took an accounting class and I did very well. And I was trying to figure out what to major in. And he said, well, Tina, he calls me Tina. Well, (laughs) Tina, you know, accountants are always needed. They would stand the test of time depression or not, and in good times and bad, you always need an accountant. You did a really good job. You seem to enjoy it. Why don't you do accounting? And I said, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll do accounting. Um, and then when I was going through my master's degree, I was a controller for a private equity fund. And that's when I got to really see the love of finance. That's awesome. And I enjoyed what I was doing in accounting, but thought, I really want to do what those guys are doing across the hall. Yeah. And and so really shifted my gear on my master's degree to do a focus in both accounting and and finance. Well, I'm not going to call you Tina. I'm going to reserve that for your dad. I will refer to you from now on as Christina for sure. So what a great story. Well, one of the in the intro of our of our show, uh, it's talking about overcoming obstacles. 
and how you can keep your career trajectory on the path that you want it on. Because you get to control your career. No one else controls your career but you. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I just found this out when we were talking last week that you were already a controller when you were going through college. Yes. And so I'd be curious, you know, did that start you on the career trajectory? And when do you feel like you might have faced some one or two challenges or obstacles that you had to overcome? I was a controller while I was going through college because I knew it was important for me to have experience along with the degree. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to just get out with my degree and say, hey, world, here I am. Mm -hmm. Now give me that job I really want. I knew it was something I had to earn. Mm -hmm. And I had to start from the bottom and I had to work my way through. So I, I worked the entire time that I was in college through my undergrad and my master's. So that by the time I was in my master's, I was already a controller so that I would have a really good base of experience along with the degree so that I could just grow even faster in the career that I that I wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome. It's so hard for new grads to get a job because you constantly hear that, well, every job I'm trying to apply for is looking for someone with experience, but I'm just a new grad and I don't have experience. And so that's the way you overcame that. You got the experience while you were going through your education, which is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. You know, my mom, she, she always, I was raised by both parents that women have a place in the workforce. It was mm -hmm. never a question. Mm -hmm. It was just a thought. And mm -hmm. uh, that's how I was raised. And so my mom, she, she stayed home um, until I was about in middle school. And she had already had her associate's degree right before she married my dad. And then she raised two, two kids and then decided to get her bachelor's degree when I was in middle school, wow. her master's degree when I was in high school. So I already had a really awesome foundation of a model to do mm -hmm. um, that I always knew. Mm -hmm. I needed to have both that experience and, and that foundation to really grow. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that's paid off, right? Because yeah. now you're modeling that for your kids. For my kids. And you've got a son and you also have a daughter, which is really important. Diversity in the workplace is such a huge topic these days, mm -hmm. you know, and you are a female executive. And so, you know, I would, I would think that people listening to this show who are new grads, females, young in their career, and they're trying to figure out what direction they want to go, if they want to go into leadership or not. What kind of advice would you give them? I think they have to, it is a personal decision. Mm -hmm. um, and you have to decide how much responsibility that you want. Mm -hmm. You know, leadership comes with a lot of responsibility, but it comes with a lot of rewards from the responsibility. But you have to, you have to really think about what level of responsibility do you want. And it's okay, whichever level of responsibility you choose. You just have to know that when it comes with responsibility, then it becomes it, it comes with um, additional roles, responsibilities, and, and risk associated yeah. with that. And you just yeah. have to decide which level of risk and responsibility that you want to have. It's interesting. We talk to people all day long, right? We're recruiters, and so mm -hmm. that's all we do. So we talk to clients and we talk to candidates. And, you know, there seems to come a fork in the road in everybody's career that they face where they have to decide do I want to go into leadership? Do I want to be an individual contributor? And both are critical to an organization success. And sometimes you're in leadership and it's not for you and you decide, I'm going to go back and be an individual contributor. And sometimes it's, I don't, I don't think I want to manage yeah. people and lead people because I'm not very good at that. 
And, uh, but then by happenstance, you're thrust into that position and you find it's your passion. When did you know you wanted to be in leadership? Well, leaders self-identify. You know, you can't just go, David, you're going to be a leader tomorrow. And mm-hmm. so tomorrow I need to take on that role of responsibility. And you go, oh, okay, I think I, I think I want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think leaders self-identify. I think that you naturally, um, you, you get energized by mentorship. You get energized by guiding, leading, mentoring. Um, and you aren't afraid to have an opinion, speak yeah. your opinion, um, and, and have it based on a foundation of learning and, and trust inside the organization. So um, I think it's a path that is more natural to go down and not necessarily a decision that you make one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you get into that role and you are trying to mentor, guide, and lead, and it's something that you're not comfortable with, there's nothing wrong with going back and being an individual contributor. You know, it's, it's all about the career that you want and the career that energizes you every day to get up and do and do that that role again. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to ask you, and I think you answered it, but I was going to ask, you know, is it okay for a leader to say, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. I'd really like to go back to being an individual contributor, and does that stifle their career? But I think your answer says they know what's best for them personally, mm-hmm. right? They know what's best for them personally. You know, it's interesting. Um, one of the challenges that I've had was I knew – I knew I wanted a solid career before I had children. Mm -hmm. And that was really important to me. And I knew it would be hard for work-life balance. Mm -hmm. So once I did have a leadership role and I was a new mom, then the question was posed to me, you know, are you, are you ready to keep doing what you're doing here? Or do you want to become an individual contributor? Mm -hmm. And, that's probably the first time I actually had to sit down and think, what do I really want to do? Mm-hmm. But it was very easy. It was just an, this innate fire of, no, I can keep doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I love what I'm doing. And, but if you're posed with that question and you're in that situation and it feels relief, mm-hmm. take the relief. Yeah. You know, yeah. you got to follow what, what feels right. Yeah, I feel like hearing your story about your mom and going through school and getting her master's while you're going through school at a younger age, that was a great model for you, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, she said, you never know what's going to happen in life, and I want to be able to provide for my family. So I'm going to go to school, and I'm going to get my degree. She became a director in marketing. She was very successful in her own right, even though she started out late. Um, and that always stuck with me. I will mm-hmm. always know that I can support my family if I have to. And then it ended up where she had to, you yeah. know, and didn't know that that was going to, yeah. going to be the place. So. How do you balance that? You had to make this decision and you said there's an innate passion and desire for you to lead and you knew you could do both. And I've got to believe that, or there are certain times you question was this the right choice for yeah. me? But that passion wins out. Yeah. How do, how do you try to balance that and reconcile that within yourself? You know, pre- be bold, be thoughtful, be present. I'm always present when I'm with my kids. Mm-hmm. So at least that's what I strive to do, is to constantly remind myself to be present when I'm there 
present at work, mm-hmm. present at home, and then you get to, to feel the rewards from both. Um, I have an incredible family that supports me in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Because when you are balancing being a mom, you are trying, you have a lot to balance at home in terms of kid pickups and drop-offs and, you know, sports that they're in and all of those different things um, that I have an incredible family that has really been able to support and help, Yeah, you know, with that juggle. Um, and I know I, it would be much more difficult for me to do that if I didn't have that, that family support. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. It's funny. You remind me when you said be present at home with your family and be present at work. And we just had this discussion about having the cell phones at the dinner table or when you're out at dinner and everybody's got their nose in the phones, but that's one of those times that you can be present. Work Mm -hmm. will always be there. But you, you likely won't have your kids living at the house the entire time for the rest of your life. Yeah, so they will fast. go make their mm-hmm. own life. And mm-hmm. that's so important. Mm-hmm. Do y'all have some type of thing that y'all do with your family where it's like, no, this is our family time? Um, more, not, we're not that rigid about it, mm-hmm. honestly. But when I think about being present, it's really easy to not be mindful when they're speaking to you. Yeah. So... You ask them about their day. What made you excited about your day today? And as they're responding, you can have so many things going through your mind. Mm -hmm. Or you can be really present in what they're saying, what they're trying to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And and then you feel that emotional connection with them and that engagement with them. And they get super excited by it. And they can tell when you're you're somewhat listening to what they have to say. Yeah. Time is the most valuable gift you mm-hmm. can give someone, and it's a non-renewable resource. And if you're going to give it to anybody, you need to make sure yeah. you give it to your kids and your family. Yeah. So I love that. I think that's great. I actually want to go back to something you said earlier, because mm-hmm. you said, you know, I wanted to have an established career before I had kids. Mm-hmm. And then I was posed with the question, do I want to be a leader or not? And you chose yeah. to be a leader because of that passion. Have you faced obstacles whether it's in the workforce or at home that you've had to continue to remind yourself to, to overcome or creating the path that you're at today? No, I, I just, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm engaged at work, it's the strategic side. It's involving in the operational side. It's having the conversations with my team. It's all of those things I love to do mm-hmm. and they don't drain me in what I do. If I, if I went to work and I had to do all of those different types of things and then I felt very drained when I got home, I think I would choose something different. But in that moment, I knew you can't tell me what I'm going to be, it, you know, and I've already made it to, to this leadership level and it's, and I'm going to continue, continue down this path. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You said something really important about draining. Your work shouldn't drain everything out. Some days aren't going to be great. Some days aren't easy. You know, and you can have a bad day. Don't turn it into a bad week. Don't mm-hmm. turn it into a bad month. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's what you're saying. Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying. I think um, you are going to face challenges every day. There's no doubt. Right. And you're going to have some days that are very hectic and some days that aren't. Um, if I have a day where I'm in spreadsheets all day, I'm tired and drained. Yeah. Uh, but you've got to find what, what motivates you 
so that you're not emotionally drained sure. from what you're doing. Sure. Do you feel like you, do you learn to compartmentalize? And is that helpful if you compartmentalize or does, you know, your at home bleed into work and work at home or how do you handle that? What's your advice there? A hundred percent compartmentalize. Yeah. That's where I say present, present in both. We talked about being present mm-hmm. at home, but you have to do the same thing at work. You know, if you're in a meeting and you're having a conversation, if you're constantly thinking about, you know, the kid drop off and how that went, then you're not being present. You're not able to, to perform to, to the best of your ability. You are going to have days that are harder, right? Things yeah. are going on at home. Um, but being able to focus on what you're doing at that moment helps you compartmental helps me compartmentalize what's going on and just maintain that focus and that presence. Do you feel that through your career, um, you have seen you started working so young? I mean, your first job in accounting was what freshman sophomore year of college, yeah. I would guess. Yeah. So you started working so young, and I've got to imagine that as you've progressed, you've seen conversations. First, you were the employee having a conversation with your manager. Now you're the leader having conversations with your employees. Do you see those conversations materialize more and people opening with more vulnerability than they did years ago when you began your career? Um, I think expectations are higher from them. You see both sides. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the ones that they really want to be a leader and then they ask for the ability to be a leader, you know? Um, and like I said, leaders self-identify. I think I see more grads coming out today with a higher expectation, um, of I've got a degree and this is the job that I want versus I have a degree and here's the job I'm going to earn. Mm. And I think that is a very big, big difference. Um, a lot of the conversations that I have with my team are all about what you're talking. I believe in mentorship. Yeah. Hopefully I'm good at it. Yeah. Um, but the goal there is to try to figure out what they want in their career path. You know, I love to get on a call with, uh, with a candidate and they are so certain about what they want to do and can articulate how that can fit into the organization and what experiences that they can bring to the table that help them in that beginning part of where they wanna go. Right. Ones that come in and, and it's very difficult to know where they want to go, they're not really sure. It's harder for me to figure out where they belong in the organization to make them satisfied and to support them. I'd love to know how can I support and, and grow and, and yeah. guide. Being a great listener, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I know people that have worked for you in the past. Yeah. And so you are a good mentor. Okay, we're going to check that box <laughs> now because I could talk to them right now and yep. they'd say, oh, yeah, Christine is the best. So I know that for sure. You are in the boardroom, right? Mm-hmm. And a female in the boardroom, especially the first time they get in the boardroom, that's got to be somewhat intimidating. And a lot of boardrooms, you might be the only one in there, yeah. you know, and you've been in quite a few in your career. How do you, how do you get used to that? How, how do you uh, prepare for being in the boardroom? So now it's more natural because it's been a long time, but I can remember prior to that, um, 
like I said, I was raised in, in a family where I didn't question women belong in a boardroom. It wasn't mm-hmm. because it wasn't something that my parents told me I had to overcome. So what I found was there's natural tendencies to women. And when you read a lot about women in leadership, and there's been a lot of books on that, they talk a lot about the natural tendencies of what we start to feel mm-hmm. in that situation that I didn't expect to feel mm-hmm. because I didn't have an expectation that it was going to happen. So, for instance, you walk into the boardroom, and where do women normally sit? They normally sit at the ends. They don't normally sit in the middle. You know, where do men normally sit? They normally come and they sit right in the middle. And so I forced myself in the beginning. Yeah. I would go in, and I would purposely make myself sit in the middle. And it would feel very uncomfortable. Um, I've always been one that is quiet at first, and Mm -hmm. then I, I say when I... I talk when I have something I know I really want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that has helped because there are times uh, that I've experienced where when the women speaks, it's, it's, it's harder at times to be digested mm-hmm. inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not sure yet if they want to hear what I have to say. Yeah. You know? Now, there are times I sit at a table and I look around and I think, oh, wow, I'm the only female here. I don't think about it anymore. It was just a learned, I had to learn and force myself into yeah. being naturally comfortable. And now it's, it's just not a thought that I have. I love that because we talk about uh, in order to grow, you've got to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And so we're talking to a CFO and a CFO is still having to push themselves out of a comfort zone. You never just arrive and say, here I am world, Mm -hmm. I'm here. You're constantly striving. And I think that is so incredibly important. I know it's something that we talk about nearly on a daily basis. In fact, I think my team probably gets tired of me talking about getting themselves out of Mm -hmm. the comfort zone. Mm -hmm. But so I love you hearing that. And I hope our listeners, that's one of those things that you put on repeat. And you listen to that over yeah. and over and, and let it be one of those mantras, you know, that self-talk, pushing yourself out of your comfort mm-hmm. zone, mm-hmm. I think is critical. So thanks for sharing that. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think that when I've known you through your career, I haven't known you as the person who, man, I don't know if I should say something. I've known you as who you are right yeah. now, as who you present yourself as, yeah, this is this is what I feel and this is how I am. Mm-hmm. And this is the best option for my organization. And so it's so cool to know that you were someone who wasn't necessarily that way. And I'm sure it's taken a long time to build that confidence. Would you say so? Yes. Um, I can remember critical times in my life um, more on the personal side that I had to decide if I was going to have that fire in me or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And those were those, and everybody has them, those critical moments in their life that they can think back on of those, those experiences made me who I am today. And once you've, you've gone through that and you have that experience, it's much harder to go back because you've already overcome that challenge. And it's on to the next challenge. And it's on to the next challenge. Yeah. It's so funny. So when you said earlier, you said, you know, I talked to a lot of new graduates who come out and they see you in the position you're in and they want that position. And they didn't see you put in all the work that Mm -hmm. you have through the years and to earn that position, right? 
And it's like being at the top of the mountain. They see you at the top of the mountain and they want an escalator ride to the top yeah. of the mountain just to be up there with you. But their lungs can't handle it because they haven't exercised their lungs enough in order to be at the top of the mountain. Right. And you have by the course of your career. And I think that's really important that, you know, you don't just snap your fingers and get there. These are learned experiences that you have throughout your career. Right. And some of them. They're really high experiences and rewarding. And some of them are just experiences you learn. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. My first job, all I did all day long was post deposits. Oh my gosh. Day in and day out. And so I knew quickly that wasn't what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think for me and I think for others, you always work to strive to show you're doing what it takes to be at the next level. So I don't feel like I've ever gotten a promotion before I wasn't doing part of the role mm -hmm. for the promotion. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm almost certain I haven't. Uh, and then it becomes, you know, having the courage to have that conversation of, okay, I've taken on more role and responsibility mm -hmm. and now I deserve that title. You mm -hmm. know, can we talk about a title increase and what that means? Interesting. Uh, but I've always felt that way. I always felt like I had to do more than what I was doing in my current role to earn the right to be at a table to say, hey, can we talk about that title increase? So earn it first and then be bold enough and confident enough in who you are to approach your leader right. and have that conversation. But know you've put in the work. That's right. right? That's right. That's really, really good. I love that. And I think, you know, I, I think back to what you said about being a college student posting cash all day long. So imagine that you're a college student yeah. and you're trying to stay awake because you're studying, right? Yeah. Everybody struggles to stay awake at certain times in college and you're posting cash, which I did accounting for three months after I graduated and it was not for me. And I left it as soon as I could. <laughs> I don't know how you managed being a college student doing that. That's really cool. Well, one of the things we want to do here as we wrap up today mm -hmm. is um, I would love to know from your perspective, if you talk to our listeners about um, what should they take away from your thoughts, from being a leader, from earning the opportunity to grow in their career and a female in the workplace. What are your thoughts about those and how do they take away? How do they take that away and implement something? Yeah, I would say that leaders self-identify. And it's our job as leaders to acknowledge the fact that we have leaders that are self-identifying themselves in the organization and to provide them that path of growth, just like we did, just mm -hmm. the same path that we got. But it takes us acknowledging that. We don't have to look up and say, I need to fill my next position and it's a leadership role. You can look inside the organization and everybody knows who the leader is inside the organization. Yeah. There's no question. Yeah. So have the courage to really step up and lead. Mm -hmm. It's harder for some individuals than others. It's more natural. Yeah. But don't be shy of having a voice, especially women. Mm -hmm. Because I know that I always felt like I'm not sure I want to say what I want to say. Yeah. And I just decided I'm going to just start to say I have a voice. I have an opinion. And it was, and it was received, you know, yeah. and it got me to that, to those next roles. That's awesome. I love that. You heard it here, folks, self-identify, right? 
self-identify and have courage. Push yourself outside of your comfort zone. Christina Bailey, it was awesome having you here. As you, always, David. I love talking with you and I love your insight and I love that you shared your knowledge with our listeners. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely. And for our listeners, we thank you all so much for spending some time with us, learning from Christina. And I, again, I'm honored to be your host today. And until next time. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.